tonight. So I have one more announcement. Next Sunday night, from 6 to 7.30, we are doing a celebration dinner uh, celebrating that our debt has been retired. I am of the conviction that certainly for me, I don't know how it is for you, I don't take enough time to celebrate. I don't take enough time to stop and, and say, God, thank you for this and, and just to take time to celebrate the last thing before we're on to the next thing. And guys, we want to, as a staff, we want to thank God, but we also want to thank you and we just want to serve you. This, so there's, there's no cost. This is child-friendly. The whole night goes from 6 to 7.30. It's all free. The food is all free. The program, we will be, it's like a half-hour program. We will be done at 7.30. We want you to come, and we want to enjoy what God has done together. So here's the only problem. This is the last day to sign up. We have to order the food. And so if you are coming, um, you can sign up out in the, at the information center or online, but let us know you're coming, and uh, it's just going to be a great, great night. We are going to, here's what I've learned. Men like to see things burn, and so we are going to be burning the mortgage that night. So, um, all right. Would you stand with me, please? I have been up for a long time. I had a dream in the middle of the night. Whenever I get a dream on Saturday night, I know it's, it's something for you guys. And so um, I'll tell you what the dream was later on, but God has something. And w- let's just... Uh, Let's get into the word and and pray that you get everything he wants for you. Judges 6, 22 through 24. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiyah's rites. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you want to speak today. Please, God, hide me behind the cross. Would you give us hearts to listen so that we can receive everything you want? You are fighting for us to get this. Help us, we pray, God. In Jesus' mighty name we ask, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we are doing something, a series on the names of God. Today is the Lord our peace. And here's the story where it's given in Scripture. Gideon is... Filled with anxiety, he's afraid of the Midianites. We find him in this, in this context. He's treading 
wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites won't steal the wheat and steal the harvest. He's very afraid of economically going without. And he's not just afraid of that. He also is kind of like a victim. He, when this angel first appears to him, he says, God has forgotten us. God has forsaken us. Um, he doesn't do any of the stuff he used to do. And so he's just kind of filled with, with fear. And then God reveals himself to him as the God of peace. He says, don't be afraid, don't fear. And Gideon makes this altar called Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord, our peace. Now what happens with Gideon from there on is absolutely amazing because God works with his anxiety and brings him to this place where he is willing to lead the army of God and it's one of the most astonishing battles in all of history. This guy that was filled with fear, as he grabs a hold of God's peace, he leads 300 against an army of 135,000 and wins. This is truly, truly a story that God, the odds are always with God. And if we learn to walk with him, if we learn how to get through our fears and get our, his name in our name, his identity in our, our identity, the Lord our peace is God wants us to own his peace. All right, so point one is the Prince of Peace has left you something. Of course, Jesus is, one of his names is he will be called the Prince of peace. Here's what he, here's what he says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We can only imagine what these words meant to his disciples because he says, my peace the peace you have seen in me, the peace that you've seen in me, that peace, I am leaving you. I am going to give it to you. They had seen this peace. They had seen it in the storm when they were all troubled. They were all worried. They, they wake him up. He's, he's asleep. He stands up and says, peace be still. And, and like a thermostat, the peace inside of Jesus starts going out and nature itself responds to it. And he says to the disciples, where's your faith? That's the peace. This amazing peace that has, a th- somebody said it, th- said it this way, the storm you can sleep in is the storm you have authority over. The peace of Jesus they get to the other side. There's a demoniac. He, the, the people have uh, assigned him to this graveyard where they chained him to, to the tombstones, and he broke free from that, and he's just, everybody's afraid of him, except for Jesus. Jesus is not troubled by demons. Demons are troubled by Jesus. And, and they're like, what are, what are you going to do to us? And, and they're, they're afraid. And Jesus deals with the darkness and his peace, once again, the thermostat, 
goes into this man that was so troubled and so filled with fear and so filled with violence, and all of a sudden, this guy is at peace. They have seen the peace of Jesus. They've seen him with the Pharisees, those of position and power who have hidden agendas to trap him and eventually to kill him, and they've seen Jesus respond to them Always knows what to do. Always knows what to say. He's governed by this peace. And now Jesus is saying, that's the peace I'm going to leave for you. He died to leave us his peace. Here's Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. He was pierced for you, for your, for your sins, for my sins. He was crushed for my iniquities, for your iniquities. He was without sin. He did this, he bore this for you and me. The punishment that he took was not his own. It was yours. It was mine. He took the punishment that was due us. The wages of our sin was death. He took that on himself so that he could obtain peace for you and I. The the word peace in Hebrew is shalom. It's way bigger than just our peace. It it is a sense of well-being. He purchased this for you and me. Now, Peace comes in two ways. There's two types of peace that he's, uh, he's paid for, for you and I. First, peace with God. He shed his blood so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins, and through his blood, through his sacrifice, we can have peace with God. We can know that we are going to heaven someday. He has healed our broken relationship with God by his sacrifice. So we have a a right relationship and we are at peace with God and our salvation is secured by his sacrifice. That's peace with God. There's a second kind of peace and that's peace from God. This is a peace, not just that we're reconciled with God, but that we actually can walk in. It is his divine presence manifest that we can live from, that can rule in our heart, that we can live day to day in, that we can actually become the thermostat that he was. How many know that this world right now needs thermostats of peace? There's all kinds of trouble out there. There's all kinds of fear out there. Jesus wants us to become these thermostats that know how to walk in his peace today. Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is how, this is how inheritance works. <clears throat> My mom and dad, whenever they were going to trade in a car to get a different car, they never traded it in. They always sold it to me and Alice. We were on a pastor's salary, had lots of kids, and 
they were happy to get something for their previous vehicle. And of course, we were thrilled to get a cheap vehicle at a great deal. And so when my mom was approaching death, this is a few years ago, she let everybody know, I am willing my car to Tommy. And uh, I mean, don't get too excited. It's a 2003 Impala. But I'll tell you what, it's all paid for. When she died, it was hers. It sat in her garage. It was in her name. It was in her deed. But when she died, it became mine. And it's just a way to honor her, to receive what she's given and to use it and to drive it. It is... It's, it's an inheritance. So here's what Jesus says. This is John 16, 7. He says, it's really good for you guys that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, the advocate, the helper, the counselor can't come. He has been with you. Now he is going to be in you. I can give you. It's going to take me dying. I'm going to have to die to leave this with you. The peace, the spirit, the power that you've seen in me, I'm going to leave it with you. The Holy Spirit, you've already seen him operate. He's been with you. But now he's going to be able to be in you through my sacrifice. I'm leaving him for you. Jesus has left us his peace. Not just so that we'll go to heaven one day. But this divine presence, this divine sense of well-being that we can live our lives from now. So that's point one. Here's point two. The will is being contested. The Bible says, John 10.10, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, how many know that it doesn't matter who left you, whatever they left you, if it's being contested, it's going to be caught up in the courts. And you can have this amazing wealth coming your way, but if it's being contested, it's not going to help you. It's not going to actually help you day to day until you can access that which was given to you. And so what do you do? What do you do if a will is being contested? Trust me, the will is being contested. Uh, what do you do? You get a lawyer. You, you hire somebody that knows what they're doing, that knows how to, what the rules are, and he helps you get what was intended for you. Here's 1 Corinthians 2.12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we we may understand what God has freely given us. God sent back an advocate, a counselor. This is the words for lawyer. He, he, He convicts of sin. He calls us witnesses. He is the divine lawyer. He knows what's yours. He knows what God has freely given to us. And he's here to help us understand it, to help us receive it. Could you imagine getting to heaven 
and finding out that you had this massive wealth in your account and it didn't help you at all because you, you never wrote a check on it. You didn't know how to write checks. You weren't sure it was even yours. And so there was all of this, you know, you made it to heaven. Praise God, we're so glad you're here. But here's, here's what was yours that would have helped you on earth and not just helped you, but helped all of those around you. But you didn't access it. Guys, the Holy Spirit is here to help us see what's in our account and to start writing checks on it. So that, so that our inheritance isn't just this nebulous thing that someday it'll be great, but that we can actually, it can actually help us in our day-to-day life. This is, this is what God's desire and hope is for every one of us. So here, here's the, we're, we're at point three already. Walking in peace. So here's the dream last night. I'm preaching. I'm walking back and forth across a stage. It didn't look like this stage, but I'm walking back and forth, and I can hear what I'm preaching. Here's what I'm saying. For some of you, your Christianity is a burden to you. You feel like you're walking in mud, and it's wearing you down. You're doing the right thing. You're doing your duty but it's wearing you down. You are weary. And I said, God wants to show you how to make him your delight so that you flow instead of trudge. Instead of trudging through mud, that you learn how to flow in his spirit. And that's, that's the dream. And I wake up, and the peace of God is all over me. And I know that the Lord wants to, he's fighting for you. He's fighting for us. He wants us to learn how to get out of the mud and learn how to flow in his spirit. So here's Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. So this pastor came to a new church. It's his first Sunday. He is preaching away, and as he is preaching, this one of the members of the church gets up, walks to the back, and adjusts the thermostat, sits back down pastor keeps going sure enough another person gets up somewhere else goes back same thermostat adjusts it goes back sits down third time it happens and he's just like what is going on so after the service he he gets goes to the custodian he says why is everybody going back and adjusting the thermostat the custodian says this that thermostat's not even hooked up He said, what we have found is people like to have, they have a need to be in control. And so we go ahead and we leave that up there and they go back there and do whatever they want to. It makes them feel better. (laughs) He said, there's only two people that know where the real thermostat is. And pastor, that's going to be you and me. And he takes him to this inner utility room. And sure enough, 
there's the thermostat. And he says to the pastor, this is the only thermostat that runs the temperature of this church. So here we go. How do you flow instead of trudge? Four, four ways, four things. If you're taking notes, four things. Number one, you've got to unhook all of the wrong thermostats. You've got to unhook all of the wrong thermostats. Jesus says this, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be afraid. There is one thermostat that a lot of people live out of called fear. And here's how fear works. First, it always starts with trouble. <laughs> there's trouble. There's trouble in the family. There's trouble at work. There's trouble with finances. There's trouble with uh, the, the doctor. There's trouble, 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 trouble. When you bite on trouble, fear comes and gets into your heart. The enemy tries to use trouble to bring fear. Here's what Jesus said. This is John 16, He said, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But be encouraged, take courage, for I've overcome the world. So Jesus says, there's a possibility always for peace in me. You may have peace in me. It's not a guarantee. You can have it or you might not have it. But here's your guarantee. There will be trouble. There's going to be trouble every day. There's going to be trouble here, there. There's going to be trouble in your life, trouble in the world, trouble with the president, trouble with uh, terrorists, trouble, 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 trouble. And if you don't watch it, fear is going to be your thermostat. And you're going to, even though you're Christian, even though you're right with God, fear can actually be what runs your life. It is the thermostat that is in your life because you, you didn't unhook that one. Jesus said, don't allow it. How many know if Jesus said, don't allow it, you could allow it? And if you allow it, it will become your thermostat. The Bible says that, that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear's not the right engine to live. God wants it unhooked. God wants to unhook it today. Here's the other th- another thermostat you need to unhook. Offense. Here's how offense works. John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. You get offended. You get offended because somebody didn't look at you right. You, you get offended because things aren't right. And so God, God, why did you do this? You can be offended with God. You can be offended with people. You can, and here's what, here's what happens when you allow that thermostat to be hooked up. Offense leads to bitterness. And you just, you got a chip on your shoulder. You got a chip on your shoulder, and, and that's how you're, even though you're Christian, even though you're right with God, even though you know you're going to go to heaven, you've got this chip on your shoulder because you haven't unhooked offense. God wants to unhook that thing. He wants you, I know bad things have happened, I know the horrible things have happened, but God is asking us to forgive and not just forgive, but unhook the offense thing. Jesus said, pray it daily. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Unhook 
bitterness. It's, not, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thermostat to live under and to have your life and to have that emanating from your life. There's a third one. Rejection. Rejection leads to self-pity. You're Christian, you love Jesus, but you got this thing called rejection on you. And uh, it really, it, it speaks to you all the time. You're with family. I, they're rejecting me. You, you have no idea whether they're rejecting you. They're probably not even thinking about you. But when this thing is on you, it speaks to you. And, and, and it becomes this self-pity cloud that you see everything through. And so you, you struggle always to feel accepted or to feel loved or to be able to contribute to somebody else because you, you, it, self-pity just grabs a hold of you and it, it sits on you. You have to unhook them. So this last week, I had a, a, a guy from the church. He set up a meeting with me, and it had nothing to do with what I'm going to tell you. He just set up a meeting because one of his friends said, he's, he went through a, a, a lot of things, and he said, you should meet with Pastor Tom. And so we're meeting together, and he's telling me all that he's went through. He doesn't even know for sure why his friend wanted him to meet with me, but we're chatting, and we're talking, I'm getting to know him, I'm, lo- I'm loving hearing his story. And we get near the end of our time, and he says, you know, he says, I'm praying for you. I said, awesome. He said, you want, you want to know what I'm praying for you? Yeah, sure. He said, I'm praying that you will be free to love more and in a way you haven't been able to love. I'm praying that you will be healed of muscle memory. Hmm. Muscle memory. He said, he said I, I've heard some of your stories and I know you have gone through a lot. And you've gone through some very hard times. And what often happens when we go through traumatic times, it, it, if we don't get healed of it completely, then without us consciously doing things, consciously we just, something bad happens and or somebody does something, and because of what happened long ago, your muscles remember it, and you're just not going to do that. You're not going to do that. And so you find yourself not being able to take risks, not being able to do stuff, but you're not conscious of why you're doing that. It's called trauma. And I'm like, well, thank you so much for probably, I certainly did go through a season where a lot happened, and thank you for, everybody can love more. Awesome. He leaves, <laughs> and... The Lord said, it, it's true. Everything he's praying is true. I've got him praying that. So what I did is I went back and uh, I got out my journals. I've got journals from years ago. Every day I journal. And I did the journals from 2007 to 2010. That, those were the dark years. Those were the years that I just feel, felt like I was a failure as a father, failure as a pastor, failure as a provider. I, I just experienced so much shame and everything was just going wrong in my life. And, I'm, uh, and so I'm reading, I'm reading through these and I'm like, oh my, I was, 
I was despairing. I was in a very, very hard, difficult place. And, and God is, is just saying, I want, I want to heal it. I want to heal you. There's some things that you're doing now that you're holding back now because of the trauma that never got healed. This is how Americans oftentimes work. We just, we just have to keep going. So we experience trauma and we don't really get healed from it. We just keep living and we get ourselves more busy and more busy and, and we think it doesn't affect us. And then we don't understand why we do what we do. And so God wants to He wants to heal us. He wants to help us unhook. If your life is filled with fear and you don't know where it came from, trust me, God wants to heal you of that fear. He's got another thermostat for you called his peace. He wants his peace to rule. He wants his peace to be the center, but you have to unhook. If you find yourself offended all the time and you don't even know you're not trying to be offended it's just it's just it's second nature to you that's called muscle memory you need to be healed you need to be healed maybe the problem isn't everybody else maybe the problem is you and that you need to get healed and that God wants to heal that or maybe this this rejection thing this rejection thing is everywhere where you can't flourish because you feel rejected and you can't seem to get past it. All right, let's find out where the trauma is and let's bring Jesus. It was hard reading those journals, honestly. It was very hard to remember stuff I did not want to remember. But I'll tell you what, it was very healing. Just like Jesus, you're here to heal me. You're here to heal me. Those were bad times. Heal me of the trauma. I thought I was healed. I assumed I was healed. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. Of course I'm healed. No, no. Turns out I'm a human being. And we need to be healed. So un- unhook the wrong thermostats. Darkness wants to control you. We're in a war, folks. We're in a war. I wish we weren't, but we're in a war. We need to recognize it. Every voice in your head is not from God. Every voice in your head is not you. Just because it's loud doesn't mean it's true. And, and, and Jesus wants us to unhook those things that the enemy tries to get on us. All right, secondly, how do we flow instead of trudge? Drink from Jesus every day. This is John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus says, whoever's thirsty, let him come to me. Let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. (laughs) It's not enough to unhook that outward thermostat. You need to hook up this inner one. You need to to find Jesus in that secret place and you need to learn how to drink from him. We need to drink from him every day. He wants the peace of Christ to rule. The peace of Christ is already here for you. 
Do you know what it says in Colossians 3.15? Allow the peace of Christ. Allow his peace to rule. Allow It's here for you. As a believer, it's here for you. God has died so that you could walk in this. It's here for you. But you have to allow it. You just have to allow it. You've got to make a place. Well, Pastor Tom, I'm not good at having a quiet time. I'm not good at being alone with God. I'm not. Being... Okay, tell the Holy Spirit that. Holy Spirit's here for you. I need to drink. I need to drink every day. I need to meet with God. I need to build. You're not going to build it all at once, but build it a little at a time. I want, it starts by saying, I want your peace to rule me. Instead of fear, instead of bitterness, instead of self-pity, I want your peace to, I want to be that thermostat. I don't want to just go to heaven one day. I want to be a thermostat down here. I want to be, I want to allow your peace to so control me that when I am in a room, peace starts touching other people. When I'm in a troubling situation, peace starts coming into the room because I'm there. I want to be filled with your peace. The shalom of heaven. Drink. Drink. And as you drink, rivers are going to flow out of you. A pastor said this. We went to this pastor's retreat. And he said, to minister life to people, life does not come from overwork. It comes from overflow. It's, it's not about doing more, doing more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. No, oftentimes it's about doing less, but doing it more filled. Take time. Take time to be with God. Don't let quiet time become one more duty in your life that is a burden to you. I've already got to do all these other things. Now I'm supposed to be doing a quiet time and I'm not doing it. No, no, you've got the whole wrong idea. Having a quiet time is going to the gas station so that you don't have to walk the rest of the day. You can drive in the car. That's called the ease of heaven. Make a place to get filled up. Make a place with God. Get it into your life. It will start out as a discipline. Trust me on this. It'll eventually become a delight. It will become your favorite thing to do is to be with Jesus. Press through. I know it's hard at the beginning. I know it's, I I don't really understand the Bible. I don't really understand the worship and what all this stuff is. Okay, tell the Holy Spirit that. Let's do this, guys. Let's do this. We need, we need to drink. We need to drink and then rivers will begin to flow. So that's number two. Here's number three. Care without carrying. I emailed a policeman that that I met with about a month ago or a few months ago and asked if I could share our meeting together. And he, he wrote back right away and said, please. He said, I'm still doing everything you said. You t- use my name if you want to, but tell, tell them, preach that message. Here's, here was the, here was, oh, in case you're wondering, this is a very, it's, he, he's a big guy, he's got a very tender heart, but it's not Aaron Chapin. <laughs> okay, I don't want Aaron to be asked a thousand questions. I, they were talking about you. Aaron's a policeman too. This is a different one. All right. So he comes in. We're sitting down. We, we've met a few times. And uh, he says, Pastor Tom, I don't know how to do my job. He said, I see the worst of human beings. 
I go out and I see people at their worst. They, did, they committed a crime. They did this. They did that. And, and I get out there and it makes me angry. Not just what they did, but the environment they grew up in that caused them to be this. And I just see, I just see the worst. And, and I get angry. And, and, and he says, and, and that anger, it just, it just crushes me. And so what I have to do to, to do my job, I have to harden myself. And he said, it's the same way when I go out and I see these desperate needs. I see children in desperate, hopeless situations. And, but I've got to do my job and I can't do everything. And so I, have to, I just have to harden myself. And, and he says, I, I come to church, I want to be tender, but I, I have to harden myself just to survive, just to, to do my job. I said, bro, you have to care without caring. God doesn't want you. Your tender heart is a gift. Jesus helped. He healed people through compassion. God's given you this tender heart. He does not want you to survive by hardening your heart. He wants you to care, but he wants to show you how to care without caring. Because, dude, if you carry the injustice that you see you're, you're going to carry that around. You're going to become angry yourself and you're going to be crushed by it. He says, yeah, I know that. He said, if you, if you see the desperately needy and, and you take that on and you carry that around, you're going to be crushed by it. You are not the judge and you are not the savior. Jesus is that. You've got to let Jesus carry the world. He is the savior and the judge of the world. He wants you to care. He wants you to love, but you got to you got to give it to him to carry. Now, once he's carrying it, he might give you some specific things to do, but he'll never tell you to pick this thing up and carry it around. You need to cast that care upon him. You need to let him hold it, let him carry it, and you just be available to love the next person. Because when you get crushed by stuff that you are carrying, you have room for nothing else. So let's just look for a moment at how to do this. He just lit up. He's like, Pastor Tom, could you do a sermon on that sometime? Have you ever said those things before? He's like, that is my answer. That's absolutely my answer. When he emailed me back this week, he says, I'm still doing it. I'm doing it every... Um, he said, have you ever preached? I said, bro, I, I think I say it every week, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, so here's 1 Peter 6, 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So let's unpack this a little. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. God's mighty hand. That's, that's God's ability to do anything. God can do anything. He can heal anybody. He can... He can raise people from the dead. He can change any situation. He can change hearts. There's nothing that God can't do. So that's the God you're coming before. You humble yourself before him. Well, what does that look like? Here's how you humble yourself before him. You cast 
your anxiety on him for he cares for you. You, you instead of controlling the situation and trying to, to, to get what you want, you cast your anxiety, you cast your care on him and let him be the judge and let him be the savior. And in due time, he will exalt you. Now here's the problem right here. That word due time, it's the word kairos. It's translated opportune time, at the right time. Um, Here's what it means, in God's time. This is the problem right here. Because we, we have a different timetable than God. We want ever if, 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 if we were God, it would all be done right now. And we would be out of our pain. And we would be out of our trouble. Because at the end of the day, what we want more than anything else is to be comfortable right now. Have everything good right now. God's got a little bigger plan than that. God, God wants to make us beautiful. He wants to make us holy. He wants to change our character. He wants to make us holy. And so oftentimes, God... It's not that God hasn't heard. It's not that God doesn't care. It's that God's got bigger purposes than our purposes. And so we need to wait. We need to, we need to wait and we need to let him carry the thing in the meantime. Do we have uh, Psalm 55? Did you guys put that in yet? Psalm 55. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So then, I got a question for you. So let's say you don't cast your burden on the Lord. If you don't cast your burden on the Lord, then who has your burden? You still have it, don't you? You still have it. And sometimes we talk to God, but we never cast our burdens. We just tell him what they are. We tell him what he's not doing. We tell him what we'd like him to do. But we have no intention. It's too important to us. So we, we hold on to it. Now let me tell you something about that burden. It crushes you. It crushes your life. And then you've got nothing to give. You've got nothing because you're, you're being crushed. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if your yoke is, is hard... Or is heavy, and your or and your burden is is how, whatever whatever it is. Um, then you took something on that's not yours. It's something that Jesus is supposed to be carrying, and you're trying to do more than your part. You're trying to take and worry is a sign of pride. You're trying to control, and you can't control, and so you're worried about it, and you're still carrying it. And so Jesus wants you to cast your cares upon Him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he loves you. But this is where the battle starts. Let me give you the next verse. The next verse says this. Be sober and alert, for your enemy, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom you need to resist steadfast in the faith. When does the enemy roar? When you have already prayed, you've already asked God, but 
that Kairos hasn't come yet. There's this time between you praying, but it hasn't happened yet, where you're very vulnerable to voices that say, God doesn't love you. God didn't hear that. This is all, this is all in your head. There's all kinds of attacks, and the enemy comes roaring. Remember, just because it's loud doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's a real experience and you had it, it doesn't mean it's true. We've got to be sober and alert. We've got to recognize that's not God. That's the enemy. In Jesus' name, leave me. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Whom you need to resist steadfast in the faith. Guys, if you're going to win, you've got to learn how to do a little warfare. Well, why doesn't God do it for me? Because he wants to partner with you in your victory. He's not going to do everything for you. He died on the cross. He he's, gives you his Holy Spirit, but you're going to have to rise up and say, nope. When Jesus says, do not allow your heart to be troubled, do not allow your heart to be fearful, who's in charge there? You are. There's a gate in your heart, and you decide what comes in or out. Don't blame it on God. You did it. He wants us to take the authority he won for us and use it. Every day. Cast your cares upon him. Can't carry him. Can't carry your children, mom. You can't carry your children, it'll crush you. Only God can carry your children. Only God can carry, they're making bad choices, they're doing this, they're doing that. Only God can carry them. It's all right to care, it's all right to pray, but let him carry them. You can't carry this country. You can't, you can't carry terrorism. You can't carry school shootings. You, you'll be crushed by it. You can care. Don't, don't harden yourself. Care. Love people. Love. Get into situations. Love. If God tells you to do something, do that thing. But let him carry it. Let him be the judge. Let him be the savior. And you can enjoy walking in his peace. Pastor Tom, I'm an, I'm an intercessor. God's called me to stand in the gap. Great. Awesome. We need intercessors. We need tender intercessors that care. Pray and then leave the prayer closet letting him carry. Don't carry it around with you or it'll, it'll take all of your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We need, our, we need, we need to carry Jesus. And let him carry everything else. Then finally, pray with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Two things to thank him for. Number one, in Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. (laughs) Cast your cares upon God. Listen, the first thing you can thank God for is that he, he doesn't think things are too small. Whatever's worrying you, if it's, if it's some future thing that might never happen, I'm worried that I'm going to die of cancer. I'm worried that I'm going to get robbed. I'm worried that, and you tell other people and they're going to say, why are you worried about that? That's stupid. Let me tell you something. God will never say that. It doesn't matter how small it is, how trivial it is, how stupid it is. God says, bring it. Let's talk about it. 
Let's, let, bring it to me. I want to hear it. I want to hear whatever it is that's troubling you. There's nothing stupid. There's nothing too small. Well, I really, you know, you're concerned about bigger things. No, he's, he's concerned about everything. Whatever it is that's bothering you. If it's a relationship, if it's money, if it's physical, if it's a future fear, whatever it is, he wants to hear it. Thank him. God, thank you that I do not bore you with my little things. Thank you that you want to hear it all. And then second, thank him for who he is. He's all loving. He's all powerful. He's helped you in the past. You can, you can go back and just review how he has helped you, what he has done for you. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, well, it was in our little video. Thanksgiving and fear can't live in the same place. Thanksgiving and despair can't live in the same place. Thanksgiving and offense can't live in the same place. Thank God. We, the, the life that God wants us to live is one of gratitude for all that he's done. He's not looking for repayment. He's looking for gratitude to just live thankful and pray with thanksgiving. That's how you let go of things. Thank him. Thank him that he's got him. And then the peace of God comes the past is all understanding, and it acts like error. What does that peace mean? That peace means your trouble became his trouble. He's now going to work on it. He's now going to fight for you. The one who has control of the stars, the one who has control of the future, the one who can move any mountain that he wants to, that guy is now in charge of your trouble because you don't have it anymore because you got his peace and he has your trouble. Now that's a good feeling. And it will guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. And we can live from this peace. Jesus wants to pull you out of the mud that you've been trudging through. And he wants to place you on a rock. And he wants to put a new song in your heart. And he, wa- he wants you to live from the victory that he has won for you and the shalom that he has won for you. He wants you to cash checks now, every day, so that his shalom comes into this world. It comes into your family, Thanksgiving and Christmas. He comes into your work environment, comes into your school environment. You've got it, thermostats. All right, we could have every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you need to get peace with God. The, the Bible t- says that we're, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. That's why Jesus came. He came to die for us. He came to take our punishment so that he could heal our broken relationship with God. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, doesn't matter how much you've sinned, how long you've sinned, how far away from God, if anyone hears my voice and opens their eye, will come in. This, God wants to forgive you. Jesus came to forgive you. But forgiveness can only come in Christ. Forgiveness does not come because God loves you. God loves you, so he gave Jesus to die for your sin. Only in Jesus can God remain God and forgive you because he's a very holy God. Forgiveness is in Christ, but Jesus comes and he knocks. And if that's you today, and you know he's knocking, and you want to get right with God today like these people that got baptized, we had every head bowed, every eye closed, because this is between you and God, not you and anybody else. But if that is you, would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it. I see that hand and that hand, that hand, got you. Got that hand in the back. I got this hand up front. God bless you. Anybody else by upraised hand? I got you, sweetheart. All right, I got you. 
If you raised your hand, would you just slip it over your heart right now and pray something like this to God? Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you came and you were pierced for my iniquities. You were crushed for my sins and transgressions. You bore my punishment. Lord, thank you. Now, God, I'm opening the door of my heart by faith right now. Would you come in and save me? Forgive me, wash me. I accept the the gift that you paid for with your shed blood on the cross. Come in, Jesus. Amen. Could we stand to our feet? The second call is simply this. You might not be able to locate right now where that muscle memory is, what that trauma was, what, but you could relate to, I feel like I'm trudging through mud. I, tr- I just feel like this thing is way harder than it should be. Um, and you need Jesus to just pull you out of that mud today and heal whatever trauma you've got. Just open your arms like this. I want to pray. Lord, you woke me up in the middle of the night because you are fighting for us. You want us to experience more of what you paid for now. Lord, I thank you for putting your finger on some of my muscle memory this week. I already feel more free. I just feel more filled. Would you just unhook people right now? Unhook people of fear. Unhook people of rejection. Unhook people of offense. In Jesus' name, we rebuke every devil. Devil, you have no place here. In Jesus' name. Now, right now, right now, I want you to allow the peace of Christ to come. Well, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving and those people are like, well, good, give it to them. I'm thinking about the bills that are coming due at the end of the Give it to them. Give it to them. I'm thinking about I'm getting old and I don't know if there's... Give it to them. Whatever it is, give it to them. Thinking about the kids. I'm thinking about the kids and what are the kids going to do? And the kids did this and the kids... Give it to them. He wants to carry it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being a great Savior and the only one worthy to judge. Now, Lord, pull it off, my brothers and sisters. Pull the burden off and release peace in this place. Peace of God increase. Now, Jesus, would you teach us how to guard that peace? And be that peace, be that kingdom wherever we go. God, we love you. In Jesus' name.